Welcome back to From the Press Box, the Holland Sentinel Sports Staff's weekly podcast where we talk anything and everything sports. I'm Dan Diodana, sports editor, along with Will Kennedy, our assistant sports editor. And uh, we're kind of in the thick of a football season now. Um, this is like the longest I've gone without being terrified a season's going to shut down in a while. Um, and uh, we've got, you know, it kind of on all planes now. We've got high school, local college, major college, NFL started this week too. I mean, there's... Uh, uh, a lot of football to go around uh, so much that it's even overwhelming how much football is going around now, which is good. It's a good thing. Um, so uh, let's start with some of the, the high school stuff this weekend. Um, we had some very interesting, interesting games, uh, interesting games happen. Um, the, the biggest, in, the most interesting to me, as far as just not sure what to make of it is the Zealand East Holland game. Um, they scored like 108 combined points. Yeah. Um, and just, just such an interesting thing. First of all, Zealand East has, I mean, I think last year Zealand East beat Holland like 72 to 10 or something like that. 72 to eight, uh, 14, something along those lines. Um, apologies for not knowing that off the top of my head, but like, uh, then Holland advanced because of COVID when they were going to have a rematch in the playoffs. Um, so it's just, so then they go out and score 44 points on them this time around. And it still wasn't enough for a win, which is an interesting enough fact in, in itself. But, but uh, this Holland team, they scored 44 points on Zealand East and they scored what, how many did they score against Holland Christian? They scored six, six against Holland Christian. And the next week they came out and scored 30 against Comstock Park. Right. And then, so what, it's, it's, just, it's a hard thing for me to make sense of because it's like, was Holland Christian's defense that much better than those other teams' defenses? I, I mean, based on what Holland Christian has done in the last couple games, I'd say probably not. I mean, maybe a little better, but uh, maybe, maybe equal. I, I, you know, it's just, it's just a interesting thing on which Holland team you're going to get. I don't know. I would say it's more so that Holland was just kind of getting its footing through the first six quarters of the season because in the Holland Christian game, they scored six points total in the first half of the Comstock park game. They either scored zero or six points total. So through six quarters, they had 12 points, but in the last, in the last six quarters, they've scored what they scored 44 against uh, Zealand East and then 30 against Comstock park in the second half. So they scored 74 points in the last six quarters. So their offense, I think, is finally getting going and understanding what's happening. Defense has just got to, you know, figure out how to stop somebody. And this week coming up is interesting because they play Wyoming. And Wyoming, through their grand total of three games, has scored 28 total points. So this, I mean, 28 or 25 um, total points. So this is like a golden, golden opportunity for Holland to go ahead and get a, a win in, in, in the win column. For sure. And last year, Wyoming was their closest game. They led a good chunk of that game, looked like they were going to win, and then they didn't. And that was pretty, pretty tough, tough loss uh, for Holland last last week. Getting back to the Holland Christian game, too, I, I, I wonder, too, I mean, first of all, it was the first game. So you got first, everyone, I don't care how good you are, how experienced you are, there's first game jitters for everybody. Yeah. So that, that plays a factor a little bit, uh, just getting into a game flow again, obviously, too. But also... I wonder how much of the rivalry is a mental thing too. I mean, Holland Christian has had Holland's number over the years, to be honest. I mean, like Holland has had some clearly superior teams that have won when they were clearly superior teams. Um, But Holland, I wonder if that's, you know, I wonder how much of a mental 
edge that gives Holland Christian when they play each other. So, I mean, it's not really something that we'll ever really know the full answer to, but um, you add that on the first day, you know, it, who knows? Um, but yeah, it's I mean, just, when you're, when you're 13 and two all time against an opponent, that's, that's going to get into your head. And when you're two and 13 against that opponent, that's going to get into your head. And mm-hmm. even if you have a great team, it's going to be like, all right, well, of all the 15 other teams that have played this school before, only two of them pulled it out. So like, that's not an ideal situation for you to go into a game mentally thinking that even if that's like in the back of your mind, which who's to say it is in their mind at all, but it's, you know, it's gotta be in their mind a little bit to think, you know, we have not had any historic success against this team. Like right. Ever. Right. And then, you know, you add that, you know, every, you know, you're, you're in town with people, it's a public versus private school stuff. So they, some of them could be your neighbors, you know, yeah. uh, there's a lot of factors which make the rivalry very fun and interesting as well. But like, so 13 wins for Holland Christian and two for Holland. Well, one of those years, Holland was fantastic. Like they beat East Grand Rapids. They had one of the most surprising and dominating years. They they made it multiple rounds in the playoffs. Like it was a big, it was a big, amazing year. So that, I mean, if you throw that year out and then you throw out the year that Holland Christian went undefeated and won their state championship. So you should throw the, the best ones out. Yeah. That means when the game wasn't – both of those games, I would say, were dis- decided on paper before they even started. The teams yeah. were that good yeah, and, and that far ahead of the other ones. That's – so that – I mean, that's – what? So it's 12, 12 and 1 then? Like, yeah. Holland, Holland yeah. is the only 1-1 one, one coin flip of a game? Like, and that's – I mean, even – obviously, I haven't been here all that long, but even just looking back at the history, Holland Christian, you're like, yeah, they have a state title, and, yeah, they had Kirk Cousins, but, like – for the most part, Holland Christian's football history has not all been that fantastic. Um, no. They've they've been on the, the the worst side of good, I would say, for for historically. Right. They've probably had four or five really really good years. But they still somehow find a way to dominate this other team, and and that's got to be another thing in in Holland's head. Like, all right, this team on paper is not that much better than us. They're not going to go out and win eight games a year. They're not going to go out and win even five games a year on a consistent basis, but somehow, some way they always find a way to beat us. And, and right. I, I don't know what the disconnect is there. For sure. And then on the flip side, you have Holland Christian start with what, like a 50 something to six win. And then now, then they have all this confidence going in. And now the last two games, they haven't been able to do much offensively at all. And they've really struggled. So one of those uh, it, games was against a really hard team though. Yeah, and they they lost to Spring Lake this week, and Spring Lake's really really good. Right. Yeah, but I mean, Holland Christian is wanting to be at that level. If they're trying to compete in the OK Blue, they got to go through Spring Lake and Unity Christian. Yeah, and uh, it's it's just interesting because now that's you know you wonder how if that affected Holland Christian at all. If they after you know maybe going into the Holland game thinking they were going to win. Well, I mean, you should go into every game thinking you're going to win, but like assuming they were going to win. Yeah. And then you turn around just because it's happened historically. And then you turn around and have all this confidence. And then, you know, did overconfidence play any factor in it too? I mean, there's so many mental sides to a sport, especially football, when it's, which is like a once a week game. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's so much time to think <laughs> over a week. Um, but it's, it, it's just really interesting. So, um, yeah, so Holland Christian is um, – they're now one and two. Um, 
So we'll see. We'll see what happens. This is going to be an interesting. The OK Blue is going to be really interesting because I feel like Unity Christian's probably going to. So maybe it's not as far as the winner. It seems like Unity Christian. Okay, seems like Spring Lake's the only chance to beat Unity. Is the only team that has a chance to beat Unity Christian. But everyone else seems pretty even. Yeah, I mean, we saw this week Unity Christian. Obviously, I, I didn't see it, but but Unity Christian handled Hamilton pretty well. And 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 you and I, I think we're both pretty high on Hamilton um, heading into this week. And I still am. I think they're going to be better than uh, people anticipated them being. But they're they're a defense first team and a ball control team. And and if you let Unity Christian score even twenty points on you, it's going to be an uphill climb. Hamilton lost that game 65 to seven. So like, yeah, I did not expect it. I'm not surprised that Unity Christian won the game. Yeah. But I, I am, I was stunned that they scored 65 points. It's, it's going to be, it's a, it's a thing where, you know, that, like I said, that that's a ball control offense. They had scored 32 points all season in their first two games, 16 games, 16 points apiece, And then this week they score seven. So like offensively, they're really only not, you know, paying off on one possession, but just the defense was just not there this week. The, right. The yeah. It's, just... it's a tough, it's a tough system to play from behind. Especially when you got guys playing both sides. Like it's, it's not like they get any time off the field. And I realize that's a thing in, in West Michigan, a lot of smaller schools, but I, I'm not, I'm certainly not accustomed to seeing that coming from where I am in South Florida, but it's just, it's it's a hard it's hard to run any system in, in, in that capacity successfully when you got guys playing both sides. Right, for sure. Yeah, they get a they don't get much rest. And speaking of guys playing both sides, Sagatuck's doing it too. Sagatuck's doing it real well. Doing real well. I mean, you know, we weren't sure what to get out of them when that first that first game they got handled by White Pigeon, the same team that knocked them out of the playoffs, but they also had six turnovers. So you weren't really sure how how much of a factor i mean i'm sure that that definitely had a factor but like you know maybe they were closer than on paper than it looked you know without those turnovers obviously but uh they've gone out and taken care of business the last two games uh and they're i mean they're obviously a much smaller school they're used to having a lot of guys have to play both ways but um it's 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 still kind of an art form to be able to handle that and uh sagatuck's looking real good i mean they're looking like a playoff team for sure I think the crazy thing about Sagatuck is that they have obviously like literally one of the best high school sprinters in the country, probably in the world on their team and Benny Diaz. And this was the first week he even made any sort of an impact. Like, cause in week two, when they dominated, I think he had like 50 total yards on 15 touches. Um, right. But this week he had like 101 rushes or 101 yards on like 15 carries an 80 yard interception return and an 80 yard kickoff return. So like this week he had a huge week and if he can even get half of that kind of production on a week in week out basis, Sagatuck is, is going to be dangerous. And, and they've proved that even when the other teams can neutralize Benny Diaz, they can still be dangerous without right. him. Right. I mean, that, that was huge. That week two win where he, he, like they all, everybody keyed on him defensively and they're going to the whole year. I mean, good That's teams good, yeah. are going to, I mean, well, all teams, but good teams are going to find a way to not stop him, but find a way to slow him down or try to, try to take him out yeah. schematically. Um, but if you can do some other things, like they've proved that they have, that there's just no, nothing you can do. And if he can get the ball in space, like in a kick return or a punt return or whatever. It's over. It's over. Nobody's mean, catching up to him. No. So that's, that's going to be definitely very interesting. So uh, the biggest game heading into the week uh, was uh, Muskegon at Zealand West. These are two teams that were, 
um, that are state powers year in and year out. Yeah. Um, and that's you know, the game you were at. That's the game I was at. Last and year's game was a one-point Muskegon win. And it, it um, got off to a really, really hot start. Um, yeah, Muskegon scored in the first play. Yeah, and then after that, uh, Zealand West kind of clawed their way back into it. Seemed like the defense held their own for three quarters, but then the fourth quarter just kind of... It was it was amazing to watch, to be honest, because I felt after that, you know, Muskegon's got tons of speed, and they're obviously a really good team. Uh, that first play, I was just like, well, that's... How do you come back from that mentally, yeah. you know? And they did. They did. They The defense only allowed one first down the rest of the half and then shut them down almost the entire third quarter as well. And it was just uh, all the entire third, uh, third quarter. So outside of the one play, they basically had three shutout quarters against yeah. Muskegon, which is insane. That is a stunning, stunning performance. And then – the you know the fourth quarter they gave they had a couple big plays and Muskegon ended up scoring 22 points in the fourth quarter to win 28 20 um but Zealand West man they were ahead they were ahead uh they were ahead 16 6 or 14 6 or whatever for most of the game yeah uh they looked in control but their offense stumbled at times. Now they moved the ball quite a bit and scored quite a bit, but they had, I think three missed fourth and two conversions. Um, and you, you put those together in, you know, mid drives, especially the way, I mean, you've seen firsthand too. Well, their drives can take up a lot of time. They got 10 plus minutes. Yeah. I mean, you, you convert one more of those, you know, and then that's not only keeping alive a scoring drive for you, but giving six more minutes where the other team doesn't have the ball. So um, it was just a matter of just a couple of those ended up being, being the factor. And the, you know, just a couple of defensive plays. I've not, I've rarely seen a game that had such a, a big play out of nowhere. I mean, it's, it wasn't out of nowhere because it's Muskegon, but like, and I'm not even talking about the first play I'm talking about like, they Zealand must look to control the whole game. And then all of a sudden two big pass plays back to back in the fourth quarter. And you're like, Oh my gosh, this game just completely flipped on two passes. Um, So that, that was really interesting to see. Um, But it was still a really good performance by Zealand West and um, still by their defense, even though they ended up giving up 28 points, um, you know, you're still, they still were in control. And if, you know, their offense could have scored a couple more or at least converted a couple of those fourth downs. Maybe that would have made the difference. Maybe it wouldn't have, Um, but it was still, it was, it was a classic game of, you know, two of the powerhouses. But like when you think about Muskegon, you think about this high powered speedy offense. And when you think about Zealand West, you think about this dominating wing T offense through three quarters, it was six, six, (laughs) like, like I, I'm not, I'm not surprised it was close. I'm surprised that with two of the better defenses in all the state year in and year out, that it was not close, like 20 to 20 yeah, um, or something like that. So that was, that was really interesting, but uh, it's going to be, you know, that now it's going to be a little bit of an uphill battle for Zealand West to try to win the okay green uh, because they're going to have to see if Muskegon stumbles and it doesn't get terribly easier. Zealand West has got, a road game at Mona Shores, who was, uh, you know, the last 
eight to 10 years has been another state powerhouse. And then you got, uh, you know, rivalry games and stuff after that. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with, uh, with, you know, with those teams. Uh, Yeah. And then I think um, another team that kind of obviously didn't show on the scoreboard or anything, but I think another team that took, took a step in the right direction was, was Fenville. They scored, uh, it seems every week they're getting better and more comfortable with the eight-man format. The first week they scored eight points. Second week they scored 14. This week they scored 20. And they've lost every game like eight to 60, 64 to 14. So I think they lost this week 64 to 20. Um, but they're clearly getting more comfortable with the eight-man format. They, their, their stats, at least based on what I read um, on the stat sheet, was more – was less one dimensional. They got it going in the past and the run game with Dylan Scott and, and Ben Peterson. Um, and it's been hard because the first three opponents have been perennial state powerhouses in the eight man level or at the 11 man level. And they just dropped down to eight man level and remained a state powerhouse this week. They're playing a team that's one and two. I don't remember who they're playing off the top of my head, but this week is a real chance to get a real barometer of where they're at in their first year of eight man, where they're not going up against the equivalent of Ohio state of eight man football. You know what I mean? Right. For sure. For sure. And I think, like you said, it was a little more two dimensional, at least. I mean, I think Ben Peterson had like 178 yards rushing or something like that, but then also he threw for almost 300 yards and two different receivers had more than a hundred yards. Both Scott's had more than a hundred yards receiving. Um, so it's like a, they're spreading it around. Like you said, they're taking steps and it's going to be, there's no way around it. I mean, this year is going to be a work in progress when you're, yeah change systems like that and you know coming off of a year where you didn't win a game too i mean it's not the expectations aren't huge but because of that i think that that pressure being off hopefully is allowing them to really reflect and take those steps um and not worry about things you know have experiment stuff have some fun with the play calling and and just figure out what works and what doesn't at the eight-man level especially for coach rich roth who has never coached to the eight-man level before he got hired a few weeks before they made the announcement of going down to eight-man um it's really just sort of experimentation and seeing what works and what doesn't and and you know it's it's unfortunate for the seniors but you know build on it for next year and build the program up to be an eight-man um consistent eight-man winner as opposed to now where they're just trying to figure themselves out and find their footing for sure. For sure. So, um, yeah, then West Ottawa, uh, they lost to Hudsonville, uh, was not, you know, they had their moments, but it wasn't terribly close. Um, then they've got, uh, Grand Haven in their rivalry, uh, this week. Yeah. And it's, it's just be tough for them again. It is. It is. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, Grand Haven is also a team that you've kind of over the years, it's, not always sure what you're going to get from them in in both directions. So um, perhaps this is their best shot. No. So I, I spoke with Pat Collins shortly before we did this podcast and, and he's sort of been harping on Pat Collins is the first year head coach at West Ottawa. He's sort of been harping on the same thing all, all game, every game, every week, ever since I talked to him in preseason, it's just, you know, we're not worried about what the opponent does, not worried about, you know, scheming up for them. We're just trying to get better every day and, and, and trying to change the culture around here. And I, I think this week, you know, if I, if I were to have to make a guess, I, I guess they would lose. Um, but I think next week is, is a real chance for them to get that first W in the win column. 
um, for the first time since 2018 and, and Pat Collins is first as head coach. Cause they're, they're playing East Kentwood and East Kentwood has struggled mightily this year. They're Owen three, two. So this week is going to be another, you know, sort of development week and, and get 1% better and, and, and try things out and, and get the guys to buy in where I think next week they have a real good chance of, you know, going out and I don't want to say shocking the world, but, you know, getting a positive uh, outcome from all the positive stuff they're putting in a positive result. For sure. And it's just, I mean, you just feel for the seniors too. I mean, they're obviously trying, I mean, they're going to, they, they, there's always that in the back of their head too, that they, if they go through this season too, they'll have never won a game. A varsity game at least. A varsity game. Yeah. In their careers. Um, I don't think anybody was really on the team as a freshman no. Uh, so yeah, so that, and that was one of the things Pat really said to me during the preseason when I did my season preview on them. He's like, I really just want to get these seniors at least one victory, man, because because they deserve it for all they put into to, to you know the the black and white here. And uh, you know, it's a big season for West Ottawa. Last season at Panther Stadium, moving over to the palatial new stadium next season. So they want to you know send it out on a good note. Um, and hopefully at East Kentwood, it's not at West Ottawa, it's at East Kentwood, but hopefully they can, you know, get a good taste in their mouth heading back in for the last few day games of the season. For sure. And then, and don't sleep on them in this Grand Haven rivalry either. I mean, the, this has been one of those over the years, one of those stranger ones where I feel like the best team on paper doesn't always win. Um, there's a lot more interesting things that happen in these games for some reason. I'm not really sure why, um, but it's just, I feel like I never know what to expect out of this game because it never happens the way I think it's going to, which is, which is good. Cause I mean, obviously it shouldn't happen the way it is on paper all the time, but like yeah. consistently being here long enough and knowing the programs and doing this for a living, you kind of, you know, what's an upset, you know, what's not an upset. You, you kind of have an idea of what's probably going to happen in a lot of games, but for some reason that game, I never like, we used to do picks, you know, uh, in in the paper, and I I I don't know if I ever got a Grand Haven West Ottawa <laughs> game right, except for the one year West Ottawa was so good that they beat you know just about yeah. everybody. Um, so, you know, so I'm not really even sure what to make of it. So, um, but maybe that nothing to lose mentality going into this rivalry will be good for them. And uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens. So yeah. Um, just an interesting, interesting group. And, uh, I mean, we talked, I, we didn't talk really very much about Zealanese. I know they, we said that they beat Holland when scored all those points. That's a lot of points for them to be scoring. And it was a big factor for them that, I mean, Shea Bay Hunderman had a good game, um, you know, hundred yards rushing, scored a couple of times, but Brady White also had like 200 yards and four touchdowns. So yeah. to get, to have somebody else, kind of lead the offensive charge other than Shea Bay is huge for their offense moving forward. Um, yeah. But at the same time, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, it's, it's nice they scored 64 points, but Holland has given that kind of production up to everyone they've played. So is it going to be able to carry over and be consistent again this week? Right. Who knows? But I, 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 worst case scenario, it's just a confidence builder for people for, for coach Woodruff and, and, and other guys on the offense that we don't have to rely on Shea Bay constantly. Right. To get for sure. For sure. I mean, they're for the most part, their games are still going to be won or lost on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. As, as will be the case for Holland and Holland Christian and West Ottawa. Yeah. Um, as well. Cause they have great, all those teams have 
Uh, and Fenville even too. I mean, they have great athletes on the offensive side of the ball, but it's just a matter of, you know, can their defense make enough stops uh, and, and, and figure out some, figure out their opponents a little earlier in the game. So yeah, for sure, for sure. So, um, and then uh, hope college is now one and one uh, after uh, losing at co in Iowa. Um, that was a tough game. That yeah. Was- they, they didn't seem to look very good. It's, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say they didn't look good. Um, they got away from what they did best in week one. What they did best in week one was run the ball and run the ball real well. Um, Daniel Armano, I think in week one had about 140 yards and two touchdowns. Um, and he's not even their go-to back. Their go-to backs, Kenya Houston, who was out week one. Um, but total in week two, when all the running backs were together, Kenya, Daniel, Romano, and, and, and just a few other guys mixed in. I think we had about 90 total rushing yards. Um, put a lot on um, Chase Brown, who I, I, I don't want to say he's won the starting quarterback competition because Coach Sturzma says he hasn't won it completely yet, but he got all the reps um, against Coe. Um, threw the ball well, threw it decently, had one pick, um, pick six, which was you know a big turning point in the game. They, they lost by seven points. But the, the real shocking thing to me was just diametric differences from week one to week two is just how much they got bullied on, on the offensive front and the defensive front. So like, the, like I said, they, 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 they ran so much in week one against Anderson and put up great numbers, but against Coe, they couldn't do much. And Coe was just asserting their dominance, just down, down, down the field. One, one of their rushers, um, Alfonso Soko, he's a he's a FCS transfer from University of Northern Iowa, so Division One guy. Um, I think he got like 28 carries uh, against Hope on Saturday. Finished the game with 299 rushing yards by wow. himself, um, which is more than Hope got for total yards, passing and rushing. Um, which was, I mean, it was extremely impressive to watch. And that, that was one of the things I questioned watching the game. And, and I wrote in my three takeaways um, after the game was uh, there's about two minutes, 30 seconds left in the game. Hope had all three timeouts and they were backed up to about their own 20, 25 yard line. Um, and it was, it was like fourth and three, fourth and four. And hope was, they punted the ball away. And I was like, well, why are you going to punt the ball away when your offense or your defense has had a hard time stopping this guy all game go for it, try and get the points because if you punt it away, you do have those three timeouts, but realistically, Soko's probably going to get 10 yards and the game's going to be over. Um, which happened, they punted the ball away. They got to like third and three, third and four. Um, and then Soko broke off like a 40-yard run to get into the red zone and then they took a knee. Um, and and Sturzma, Coach Sturzma, you know, he admitted as much after the game. He said, it's probably my fault. We probably should have went for it there. We, we had confidence in our defense. We got a couple stops in a row, but but in a situation like that, yeah, that, that, that's probably on me. Um, but I mean, Coe's a really good team. Um, consistently, they're, 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 they're a D3, I don't want to say powerhouse like they used to be. Um, they have NFL talent come out of there. Fred Jackson from the Buffalo Bills went there. Marv Levy, Hall of Fame head coach, went to Coe College. So like they have, they have pedigree and tradition. Um, you know, th- th- I think they'll be fine when MIAA play comes around in a couple weeks. They're, they're back this week in Holland against uh, Ross Holman. Um, and they should, they should kind of, you know, that, that's kind of going to be a get right game for them. I, I assume they're going to establish the, the line of scrimmage and, and, and pound the ball a lot there, kind of get back to their bread and butter. And I think they'll win that one easily. 
Yeah, it'd be an interesting situation. I mean, going on the road is always hard. Going on the road all the way to Iowa. Yeah, it's like a seven hour drive. To face a really good team. I mean, like, it's things could have gone a lot worse. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's, I mean, it's those are those are the kind of, you know, throughout the season growing pains that, you know, that happen. And yeah, I mean, that's something they could turn around and get better, get better from. And, uh, you know, you can always learn something from playing a good team, even if you get beat or even if you get, even if you get destroyed, I'm not saying they got destroyed, but even if, you know, there's always, when you're playing somebody that's an established, you know, strong program, there's always yeah. some takeaways. So. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it, like I said, it was a, it, the final score was 28, 21. Um, hope was winning for most of the first half until that pick six. Um, but in the second half, it just felt like, it just felt like they were never going to get anything going. I don't know the total yardages in the second half, but it just, it just felt like they just, they couldn't get anything going. They couldn't move the ball. They couldn't seem to stop Co from at least running clock off, not necessarily scoring points, but Co was running a lot of clock. And, and, and that kid, Alfonso Soko is a big reason of it. He was kind of the offense for Co that day. Um, and, you know, when you have close to 300 yards, why are you going to, go away from that. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he was incredible to watch and, and, and I don't think hope's going to run into a kid like him anytime soon. So hopefully for them, uh, they can kind of, you know, get back and get right this week and, and for the rest of the season. For sure. For sure. And then grand Valley finally kicked off their season. Um, after having to have the first game canceled, uh, they won pretty, pretty handily over what Colorado state Pueblo. Yes. Yes. You Pueblo. Uh, and, uh, I mean, nothing, nothing really surprising there. Um, the home opener, 11,000 people there. That's gotta be the pretty hype after not having anybody or not having a season last year, you know, and everything. So, um, I'm sure that was, uh, very exciting. They got another home game up coming up this week. Uh, you know, they predictably took care of a team that they should have taken care of. So, I mean, they're a very good team. Yeah, and I, I don't see that change. They're playing Wisconsin lacrosse this uh, this week, which I don't really know what to make of Wisconsin lacrosse. Yeah, so yeah, I uh, I don't think they're they could be. I don't know a ton about D two football, but I know Wisconsin Whitewater is like the D three powerhouse of all right. powerhouses. That right, but, but like lacrosse, lacrosse, and another one of the teams are D two instead of D three. Yeah, um, so I you know there are. They're not a slouch, that's for sure. Um, but uh, not, I don't think they're Grand Valley either. I think I think right. Grand Valley should be. You know, I don't want to say easily win, but I think they should win. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Some of those Wisconsin schools are really interesting, like Whitewater um, and Eau Claire, and those some of those schools. They're like they're D three because they don't have athletic scholarships, but some of them are as big as Eastern Michigan. Yeah. Uh, it's just the way they do they do it there, and team yeah. people choose to do that. Um, and I, I traveled to Whitewater once with the Hope, uh, the Hope women when they were in the Elite Eight. And it's, it's nuts there. It's a big, it's a big campus for a D3 school. Um, yeah. Well, I went to um, UW Parkside, which is in Kenosha. Um, and, like, they're not any sort of, you know, football powerhouse or anything. Or I don't think they're any sort of athletic powerhouse. They're D2. They play Grand Valley and a few things. Um, but – their, I mean, their facilities are just massive. So I, I was a equipment manager for Northwestern and for each week during training camp um, in the summer when there's no classes or anything, the whole team goes and they do this thing called Camp Kenosha, which is where Parkside is. 
and the whole team just lives on the campus and it's just training camp where all you do is football 24 seven. And like they put us all in the dorms and it was like, I mean, it was like you were on Northwestern's campus or you're on, you know, USC's campus or any big major division one football programs campus where you just got up, went to meetings, went to football, went to the dining hall, did the same thing over and over again. So like it's these, these facilities are incredible and like, to have them so self-contained and so small to be able to do that at the D2 and D3 level is, is, is pretty wild. For sure. And it's interesting that they have, that's how they do. I mean, obviously they've got university of Wisconsin, but then all these, you know, was that's not how Michigan does it. Michigan doesn't yeah. do like they do East, you know, you got Eastern, Western and central so, and Northern a few states who do this. So like, I know New York, I lived in New York for a bit. So the SUNY system. State right. Cal too. So like SUNY, um, SUNY Oneonta, SUNY Albany, SUNY. Yeah. My dad went to SUNY Maritime, which is in, in the, the, the Bronx, um, SUNY Oswego. Um, the, the, all the, that's why, that's why the state of New York doesn't really have a big college power. Their college power is Syracuse and that's a private school. Cause they're not part of the SUNY system because right. the SUNY schools are D2 or D3. Uh, I think SUNY Albany is the only D1 school and they're, that's a D1 school. Yeah. SUNY Albany is. But they're only good at like lacrosse is their go-to sport because right a lot of Native American people there in that region and and that's who invented the game of lacrosse. Right, and I'm you know I think what their second biggest school in the state after Syracuse is Buffalo, right? I mean like yeah, Buffalo is the biggest um, public school in the state. Yeah, right, which is really odd. <laughs> I mean, in a lot of ways, well, I mean, the second biggest city in the state, right. It's just so far away from everything else. Uh, I mean, it's really, there, trust it's me. closer to Pittsburgh than anything else. Really. I, I, I lived in Buffalo and I could walk to Canada from my apartment. Yeah. Which is awesome. Which is awesome. So awesome when I wasn't living there during COVID cause I couldn't cross the border, but right. Right. That would make sense. Yeah. So it's just Interesting to see that, you know, that works so well for teams uh, and for, for schools. I mean, like that's, that's what's so different. You know, the MIAA is so different, but you know, a lot of those schools are private schools. So it's just a different, uh, it's a different make and model of, of things. Um, well, probably one of the best things that came out of Hope's trip to Co. And it was like a long seven hour drive and everything, but, but Friday, afternoon they left holland friday morning for the long seven hour drive um coach thursma has a hookup in, in facility or something at university of iowa obviously iowa was on the road at iowa state so they had to have they had the opportunity to have their friday walkthrough at kinnick stadium which is where the university of iowa plays which was i've been there i've been on the sidelines at kinnick it's probably my favorite college stadium i've ever been to and to, to i know the kids were real hyped about it coach thursman was real hyped about it and and after the game, I spoke to him about it a little bit. Obviously, he didn't want to go too deep because they had just lost. But but he said it was an extremely positive experience, and all the kids loved every every second of it. Which, you know, to have something like that happen for a D three school from Holland, Michigan, to go, you know, have a walk through on a on a Big Ten football stadium that's packed with 60,000 uh, fans every Saturday is is a really cool experience. For sure, and for and for nothing else, I mean, I know it's like a really great environment in general. But yeah. for nothing else, too, to be able to actually see from the field that view of the hospital in reverse, yeah. you know, that you that we kind of see when they show those the, you know, the wave and everything that they yeah. do to that, which is an incredible tradition that they have there. And I think that is one of the coolest things in all of sports, um, not just college football, but, 
for me, I think that would be a cool thing too, is to actually see the angle from the actual player's perspective of, of where that is. And I'm sure there were kids looking out the window and noticing that they were down there. And I believe they, I, I didn't confirm this, but, but Sturz sent a tweet out um, to me earlier. I believe they did the wave. I don't know how many people were watching cause it wasn't, you know, an Iowa football game day. Um, but I believe the team and the staff, you know, did turn towards the hospital and, and did the wave. Very cool. I, I was fortunate enough to participate in the wave um, when Northwestern was there in 2018. And like I said, I, I've been to a lot of cool college saves, been to a lot of cool college traditions. And, and that was, you know, that gave me goosebumps just thinking about it to this day. It was, it was, it was really cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm glad Hope got to experience that too. That's a really cool thing. And that's something that'll stick with them. If they really got to do a wave where they saw real kids in the windows waving back and whatever like that, that's like a moment you don't forget. Like, so maybe like 40 years from now, they won't remember that they lost at co the next day, but they will vividly remember that moment. And that's, that's life impact right there. And that's incredible that they got to do that. So yeah, very cool. So uh, I mean, being a big 10 guy, I got to ask through, you know, a couple weeks now, what do you make of the big 10? I would, I wouldn't consider myself a big 10 guy. I went to a big 10 school. Uh, I would consider myself more of a, uh, American athletic conference guy. Uh, cause I yeah, was sticking with your undergrad. That's that makes yeah. sense. Um, but I mean, uh, I didn't watch any of the Northwestern game this week because you know, they played the Sycamores that actually exist, not Bishop Sycamore, Indiana state and Larry, right. <laughs> Larry Bird wasn't coming out onto that field. So Northwestern won handily. Um, Ohio State loss shocked me completely. I uh, Oregon's best player was out. Their edge rusher was out. So I figured Ohio State would kind of walk all over them. Um, still lost. Michigan looks solid based on the little I've seen of them. And me and you were talking about this earlier today. Team, I think really people really need to watch out for is Iowa. Iowa was really good. Iowa closed the season last year um, on a fantastic run. They would have made the big 10 title game if Northwestern didn't beat them in week, like two or three. Um, and they've just been on an absolute tear. They're ranked number five in the country now. Um, really, really good. I still have UGA as my national title winner as my pick. Um, but Alabama is not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, Michigan state looks pretty good too. Michigan. Yeah, state- they haven't played quite as good a competition overall, but they still look good. Yeah, and I'm a big Mel Tucker guy. I think I think Mel Tucker was only at University of Colorado for one year, um, but I think he was going to turn that program around pretty quick um, and seems like he's doing it at Michigan State already. I don't remember who they played uh, in week two, but, you know, I first play the game both weeks. It was a Mac team. Yeah, oh, they played um, – yeah, they played some team in the Mac. But, you know, first, first team – or first play of the game two weeks in a row, you get a touchdown. You know, that's – that, that's good things. And, and you win both games in, in relative blowout fashion as that's, that's a thing they weren't doing last year. And right. Right. Even against the weaker opponents, they were yeah. barely winning those games. Yeah. And the, the progression from week one to week two in, in, or year one to year two in, in Mel Tucker's um, tenure there has, has been impressive. Yeah. And we'll see what happens. They got a local player, Adam Burkhorst there um, playing tight end. We'll see uh, if he continues to get some, you know, some more, time and everything i mean it's uh uh he can be an interesting weapon for them and then also jumping back to iowa zach van valkenberg from zealand west is uh starting defensive end for them uh, and he you know taking the fifth year after last year um and with COVID and everything and uh he's got another year there so hopefully you know we'll get to see 
him a little a little closer getting to experience a pretty special possibly special season with Iowa which would be good yeah Um, I I definitely got Iowa out of the west to win to at least make it to Indy and and who's to say they don't play Michigan when they get there man who's right because Ohio State is uh I'm sure they'll turn it around and they're lucky that this was an out-of-conference game but I mean, one having a loss on Ohio State's record in, in two weeks in—that's something you don't see. That's right. That's something you don't see for sure. And uh, yeah, it just will be interesting to see how Harbaugh does in this year with Michigan too. I mean, like they haven't won a Big Ten title since 2004, which is they've never in a lot of ways a Big Ten title game. Yeah, since that was before they exactly they had the game, um, which I think is crazy. I mean, it shows the imbalance of divisions a little bit in the big 10. I'm not the, saying the that West they would all the West is super weak. Yeah. But just overall, I mean, they usually have one or two really strong teams, but the Eastern group always has four really strong teams. Yeah. Um, and that's it's really, always, it's always either the Wisconsin, the Iowa or the Northwestern is going to, you know, go up and get smacked by Ohio state. That's always what it has been in the past five to 10 years. The Ohio state or the Penn state, I should say. Right. But and now, Michigan, Michigan State had the one in there. Michigan State had the one, and that was a really good game when they played Iowa. That was like yeah, a second game. Um, for sure. So yeah. it's just it's just really interesting to think about. But then, you know, you think about it on the national level, too. I mean, you think about, I mean, outside of Ohio State, I mean, Michigan's still the most recent, right, Big Ten team to win a national championship, uh, 97. Probably. So, yeah, I don't think it, no one else has won, right? Wisconsin hasn't won. Or, no, I mean, Penn State's won some Rose Bowls, but I don't think they've won. Penn a, State won, was like a co-national champ in like 90, 91, something like that. So, BCS, um, I don't care about. So it's just, it's just, yeah, now everything's different, so it doesn't even matter, you know. So, But it's just like, you know, Michigan needs to get back to the playoff. I mean, they've been to the playoff, but not the Big Ten. Michigan, <laughs> Michigan hasn't been to the playoff. No. Not Michigan State has been to the playoffs. Michigan State's been to the playoff, and right? No. Like fifty-eight to. Oh nothing. no, that's right. Michigan, Michigan missed missed out on that. Um, even that one game, the one game that they lost Ohio State on that crazy fourth down ball, yeah, the controversial ball. fourth down or whatever. Yeah. They would, yeah. That I mean, twenty seventeen, I think. Yeah, I think they still almost made the playoff that year, even after losing that game. Um, they won, I think they made the Orange Bowl that year, which is still right. a bowl, which is a big deal. Um, and I think I believe they beat Florida State. Um, but ooh, talk about another team, Florida State. Yeesh. Um, but um, yeah, so I, I I mean, this is the best season Michigan's had in best, best start at least, and the best memory. the best vibe they've had for sure. Yeah, yeah. At least in my recent memory, and I think it helps that Ohio State lost. That definitely. It's nothing Michigan did, but it definitely helps their vibe out. It gives them right. confidence to say that, yeah, they are beatable. Um, Oregon's a really good team. Um, right. it, it certainly helps their vibe. It's, you know, it's sort of the Holland, Holland Christian thing. Like, no matter how the rest of the season goes for Michigan, they're going to go into that Ohio State game knowing that somebody can beat Ohio State and that they're not these world beaters. Right, for sure. I mean, that's big. I mean, they this will be – I mean, that one year that they lost on that fourth down where they had, like, the best defense in the country, that was a pretty good Harbaugh year. But that was – I mean, you, you expect every year to be uh, – uh, with somebody like Harbaugh and all the hype and everything like that, you expect every year to be like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it just their, really hasn't. Their schedule coming up is – I don't want to say easy, but it's for, – for a Big Ten team, 
relatively easy. So they got Northern Illinois this week, Rutgers. Then they got a tough game at Wisconsin. That's going to be a tough one. Um, and then they got Nebraska. Who's to say if Scott Frost will still be there by then? Right. Um, then they got Northwestern, where I will be in the big house for that game, my first big house experience. I'm very excited. Um, Michigan State, which I think that will be a very good game. Indiana, who has fallen off rapidly. Penn State, which will be a very good game. Maryland, and then, you know, the game, the big game at the end of the year against Ohio State. So th- there's, you know, potentially three tough games there with right. Wisconsin, Penn State, and uh, Michigan State before you get to uh, Ohio State. So it's certainly not an easy road. Um, and, you know, for all I know, they still could end up, at, you know, seven and four. But, right. you know, you got to feel good about where you're at right now. And you got a few easy games to build into it and build momentum. Right, for sure. And, you know, all the, the, be- the big games for them aren't all back-to-back also, which right. helps that you can kind of build up to one and then yeah. build up to the next one. So. Watch out for Northwestern, though, man. Watch out for the Cats. Yeah. Watch out. You know, they're, uh, they, uh, hey, they beat Iowa last year. What am I going to say about them? Right. They, I mean, they beat uh, West last year, maybe two out of three years. I got a ring yeah. to prove it. Yeah. So it's going to be uh, interesting for all the time. Mean, it's going to be an inter- very interesting and cool year for the Big Ten. And uh, it's good to, at least at this point, that Michigan and Michigan State are at least still in the discussion. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, so. we're two weeks in, so hopefully everybody is still in the discussion. But, um, right. you know, Nebraska's not. Rutgers not. Um, right. Nebraska's discussion is, is, is Scott Frost going to last the season? Um, probably not. I hope he does, but probably not. Right. Um, and then, yeah. yeah. And we got other football. The Lions, the NFL started. The Lions actually kind of looked good in a comeback after looking so horrible. And... I mean, people are touting them on for this comeback and the fact that they didn't give up and stuff. Is that, I like, I feel like that's a double-edged sword. That's great, but also, is that how sad is that that we're yeah, celebrating the fact that after getting their butts kicked in the first half that they didn't just give up? We're celebrating them for not giving up at their job, uh, and I think that that's a weird, <laughs> just a weird, it's just a weird vibe. Now, yeah, they played much better, and it was exciting for a little bit there um, to get within that close when they were down what 35 17 or whatever late in the third or whatever but like or whatever was midway through the third but like i don't understand that it's there's no moral victories in the nfl no there's not enough games for that and when you have you know the distinction of being the only team in the 16 game format to lose all the dang games yeah i mean i know that was quite a few years ago but like well, that long ago. I mean, there's such there's such a mess. Then they, you know, they like. I feel like I wonder what they would be like if they still had Jim Caldwell as the coach and they still would have had Stafford as the quarterback. Well, maybe. they should have never fired Jim Caldwell. Maybe they would have been a playoff. Team. I mean, they missed the. They had that great year. Then they missed what missed the playoffs by a year or by a game. And then that was it. And it's like they could have made the playoffs the next four years with that combination, yeah. Um, which is, you know, rare. They they said they wanted to take the next step, and they weren't going further than what the first round of the playoffs. But there's so many years that they don't even sniff the playoffs. Yeah. They. they I thought that the the best step would to would be to 
How about let's try consistently making the playoffs? That's a step too. Um, but whatever. It's just, I, 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 you know, when I was a kid, I loved the Lions. They had Barry Sanders. He's the most exciting, one of the most exciting athletes in any sport that I've ever seen. And since he left, they've messed things up so much. Well, first of all, even when the, the, even when they had him, you know, his first, like one of his first full years, they made the NFC Championship game in 91, 92, whatever that was. And then that was like his second year in the league. They didn't win a, they didn't win a playoff game the rest of Barry Sanders' career, the best running back of all time, and they never won a playoff game after that? Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's pretty bad. So I'm not talking about a Super Bowl. Just win a playoff game. How did they not beat the aging former Lion Rodney Pete and the Eagles that one year in the playoffs? Like, how did they – I just don't understand so many things about it. Um, but, you know, I yeah. – I, I'm I'm going to be honest with you. I did not watch a single second of NFL football on Sunday. Good for you. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I don't care about the NFL much. It's, I, it's an odd thing. Like, I feel like it's, I mean, obviously so many people care about it. I feel like the the way the Lions have gone and also the fact that I watch so much football for a living. Yeah. Makes that the lowest, the NFL, the lowest thing on the totem pole for me. Like, I feel like, uh, I feel like, you know, I watch a lot of high school games, obviously, because that's primarily my job. But I also watch Hope games, Grand Valley games, you know, and then college football is super exciting. I, you know, I went to Central, so I'll watch them when they're on. Yeah. Um, my whole family went to Michigan. So even though I don't really care if Michigan wins or loses, it's still uh, you can't argue that an atmosphere in the big house, no matter who's playing, is pretty, pretty exactly. entertaining and exciting. Um, so, and I, you know, we had cousins, you know, come through Michigan state bird horses there now. So I'll watch, you know, I watch Michigan state too. So I just, I just, by the time I get through that weekend, I get to the Sunday and I'm like, yeah, I have watched five football games in the last two days. Do I want to watch the lions lose and take that time to do that? Sometimes I do. Sometimes (laughs) I don't, uh, you know, it just kind of depends. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's just it's just interesting. It's just a lot of football. That'll happen to us in basketball season two, too. Yeah. Well, I, I just don't like basketball at all. I find basketball. I, I haven't watched an NBA game in by choice in probably 15 years. I haven't watched. I went to a college where college basketball was pretty bad. I don't think I went to a single college basketball game on my campus. I went to one women's game because we were hosting the 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 women's NCAA tournament and our women's team was good, but I just I find basketball extraordinarily boring and I just cannot stomach watching it in my free time. There you go. Let's see. Uh, let's see if we get any comments from coach Morehouse. Uh, I mean, I love Mo and I love watching. <laughs> I, <laughs> test our readership or our listenership. See, see who's made it this far in the podcast. Yeah. I mean, I, I did. Thir- I think you could tell I thoroughly enjoyed watching the, the hope women when I covered them. Cause they're, I mean, they were my first assignment when I got here, but but if I could choose watching a football game over a basketball game, I'm going to pick football 100% of the time. And it's not even close. Like I will spend my Saturday. And this is probably a big reason why I don't watch NFL is because I will spend my Saturdays. I'll watch a high school football game Friday night, get done with it at around with all my high school football coverage and writing the story and putting the rewind together and everything. Finish that around midnight, 1230. Um, go to bed wake up at around nine, watch college game day. And then I'll watch college football from noon 
until the Hawaii game ends at 3 a.m. And then on Sunday, I'm just like, I don't want anything to do with this. I just right. want to relax and just hang out. I don't care if I grew up a Buffalo Bills fan. I hate Josh Allen. So when they drafted Josh Allen, I kind of renounced my Bills fandom. Um, and I just, I don't want anything to do with it, man. I just don't. I'll, I I like watching Lamar Jackson play. He's a lot of fun. I like, I like rooting for specific players, but when it comes to teams, I don't care who wins. Yeah, it's just an interesting dynamic too. I mean, they don't have especially a lot of, we've had some expansion teams and stuff too. It's not the same as like a college that's been playing since 1860 exactly. or 70 or whatever. And it's just, just a different, different kind of fan base, but it's, I mean, obviously football's still fun. Um, and, uh, you know, we're getting in the thick of it. I, I mean, last year we didn't have the, there was no thick of it because you were, yeah. we were so worried if the game every week we were wondering whose game was going to be canceled because of COVID or, or if the Big Ten was going to play, or if they were going to go in the spring, or if they were going to play in a smaller season, or what's the money talking about it? What's going to happen? The NFL's playing. Why are they not playing? You know, you got through this whole thing. And and this week, I'm just like, wow, there was so many football games that I paid attention to this week, um, which is kind of refreshing. It's a little overwhelming, but kind of refreshing as well. So, um, but uh, yeah, we've had some good tennis lately too. Uh, Holland, Holland Christian, West Ottawa, all pretty good. Actually, all really good tennis teams. Um, you know, West Ottawa and Holland Christian particularly have had some big matches, um, both defeating Hollands. Um, you know, we just, there's a lot of good things going on. Soccer, the big thing last week was uh, Holland Christian, number three in soccer, knocked off number one Unity Christian in a pretty epic game that I was fortunate enough to be covering. Um, they, Holland, Christian and Holland are not in the same conference anymore, but they do play each other right before districts. So it could be another kind of number one versus number one style battle. Yeah, and um, they're both ranked like the top 10 in the state, aren't they? They're one. I mean, Holland Christian's one. Holland is, they, I'm not sure. Sh- they, they've been one. They were one all last year. I don't think they're like one or two or three. Yeah. Like they're so, really good. Yeah. So it's going to be, uh, that'll be very exciting. Um, you know, and they played Unity Christian also when Unity Christian was number one. Well, before the rankings came out, really, because they had just started the season, but they tied. But Holland was up 3 nothing, and then gave up three later goals after they kind of, you know, mentally got on their heels and just kind of relaxed a little too yeah. much. But they dominated them. So, um, and, and Holland Christian was a step ahead for most of that game, too. So having those two teams face each other is going to be um, a pretty epic thing. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that game, uh, too. And But uh yeah, a lot of good cross country runners, a lot of good volleyball players. We got good golfers. We got good everything. So uh, go out and see some games, and uh, you know we'll be we'll be bringing you a lot of these stories and a lot of uh, athlete spotlights and a lot of these sports showing you you know what's out there. So um, yeah, enjoy another uh, another good football week, and go out and see some football and some other sports, and uh, vote for the uh, athlete of the week in the poll. Um, you know, those run every week from uh, Sunday night to Wednesday at noon. Um, so get out and vote for those. And uh, yeah, then we'll see. We'll see what happens with those. If I could just say one thing about the poll, if Holland's quarterback, Zach Hopp, does not win it this week, then this is totally rigged. This, this man has had two in uh, two losses, but he's thrown for like nearly 750 yards over the last two weeks and like 10 touchdowns. He, 
I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm allowed to campaign or not, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm standing up on, on my campaign. Oh, it's good to say, it's a good to say who you think, who you think deserves it. I mean, obviously the poll itself is, is obvious. Those are always a little bit more of a popularity contest. Um, but hopefully enough readers and football fans are watching and, and figuring out what's enough and making intelligent decisions. So, um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens with the poll, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I, the only, the only knock you could have on Zach Hopp is that his team didn't win. Otherwise he threw what 300 and some yards and five touchdowns. He hasn't played defense. Yeah. It's not, yeah. So it's, uh, uh, these are these are really interesting to see how they've kind of come out um, the first couple of weeks. So we'll see what happens this week. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week to talk more football. For Will, I'm Dan. Have a good week, everybody.